0: All right, what up, what up? Let's get it started. These are the quick slants. I appreciate the support as always. You can go follow me on Twitter. You guys with the drill. At Stephen underscore Springs. Go follow my co-host of the We Got Next podcast, Christian Hayes. Shout out to Christian. He is at A O Shifty on Twitter. Go follow the We Got Next podcast, which is at We underscore Got Next. Like and subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Spotify. Go follow the Quick Slants on Twitter, which is at the Quick Slants. All right, we want to start again this week with a little tidbit from the James Franklin weekly press conference on Tuesday. Um, Franklin has been asked, obviously, week in and week out about the potential to start Drew Allar, uh, especially with the way Cliff plays sometimes. And, you know, I, I've talked about it a lot, that we need a spark and that I don't necessarily care where it comes from, but ideally it comes from that that quarterback position. And um, Cliff just isn't doing it. Now, he did have over 300 and I think 50 yards on Saturday against Ohio State, and we'll get into the game and everything here shortly. Had three touchdowns, but he had four turnovers. And you can potentially get away with that. Potentially against, you know, the the bottom, the bottom teams in the Big Ten. But obviously, you're not going to get away with that against Ohio State. And we'll talk about the performance by number forty four for Ohio State. I'm not going to try and pronounce his name, but we'll get into him too. <clears throat> um, but I did want to start with a tidbit from, from Franklin's press conference on Tuesday. And obviously, again, he was asked about the potential for Drew Allard to start. And usually, he says. You know, Sean has earned the right to be the starter, and he kind of just leaves it at that. He never, he never says that Sean is going to be the starter. He never, he never says that directly, and he never really answers questions directly. I feel like he gives an answer, but it might not be the answer that we all look for. And coaches, every coach does that. So um, Franklin on the potential starting Drew Allar, he said, "Quote: It's not a decision that I make on my own. You can stop it (laughs) right after that." Um, He goes on, uh, I had a pretty good conversation with Mike Yurcich. I talked to Manny Diaz about it. Also mentioned that he talked to um, Daniel O'Brien, former Maryland quarterback. Uh, I think he's one of the quarterback coaches, most recently obviously played in in college football, so we talked to him, talked to Ken Wisenhunt. Um, He said, for us, we're going to look at who gives us the best chance to go 1-0 this week and go from there, end quote. There is a lot there. There is a lot to unpack there. Um, the fact that he did not say that Sean Clifford has earned the right to be the starter or the fact that he didn't say anything along those lines or anything that he has said previously when answering that question, I think tells you a lot. The fact that he said, it's not a decision that I make on my own. He says, you know, these decisions, he doesn't like to try and be too close to it. likes to get everyone's opinion, talk to everybody, have the conversations and make the best decision about who gives them the best chance to go 1-0 each week and then take it from there? But I had a pretty good conversation with Mike Yurcich. I Yurcich is the one who obviously coaches in, is directly around Alar and quarterbacks every single day. He recruited him. I think him saying that, and it's not one of those things where I don't think it's, you know, Franklin knew he was going to get it, obviously. He, he knows He knows it's coming every single week. Or every single day, probably. Someone's probably asking him about it every single day in some capacity. But he knows every Tuesday he's going to get this. And I don't think he rehearses it. I think he, you know, I think obviously to some degree he knows what he's going to say. He's very methodical and and meticulous with his answers and everything. He's not going to give you too much. And he's not going to to give the other team too much. Now, by him saying that, do I think that Drew Allar is going to be the starter on Saturday? I don't. Uh, But I do think that the leash on Sean Clifford, um, I don't think it exists anymore. I think that it, it could be either A, if the first drive or first couple drives don't go well, and Indiana is not that good. Like this should be, you know, I hate saying it, but this should be a cakewalk for us. I know Bloomington has, for whatever reason, given us given us problems over the years. Um, don't know why. That's it's very strange. But in the end, it's not that good. They've lost five in a row, and they're they're just. We should beat them. We're a fourteen point favorite, and we should we should double that. And I think it's one of those things where again, the leash on Clifford does not exist anymore. But Franklin to his credit for acknowledging this is loyal to a fault and we're 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 well past that with clifford i don't think alar starts on saturday i think he should i think it's time i think that the ideal situation is that you start alar for the rest of the way clifford i appreciate it appreciate all you've done but no we got we got to we got to move on um you start alar the rest of the way we go 4-0 to finish the regular season finish 10 and 2 Go to a New Year's Six game, win that eleven-win season. Probably end up in that, you know, five to ten range in the final rankings. By the way, we're fifteenth right now to start the college football playoff rankings. Um, and when we finish eleven and two, and our two losses are to when you know, one of those teams is going to make the playoffs, if they have, and you know, unless they lose, but. Um, one of those two teams, Michigan, Ohio State, is going to lose. So our our two losses are two, you know, arguably two of the you know three, four best teams in the country. So we finish eleven two, New Year's six win. Alar starts the rest of the way, looks like the superstar that we all want him to be and all think he could be. And then you know we catapult into next year. That's the ideal situation. And I saw a poll the the other day. That just made me mad. I, I understand the, the Twitter account that you know why they did this, just to kind of gauge things. But the the question was would you rather go 10 and 2 with, with Clifford as the starter the rest of the way? Go to a New Year's six game, win that, you know, have Clifford right off to the sunset. Alar gets those minimum, you know, couple couple quarters in, in, in games like he has been when he does come in. Um not 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 too many reps, but he gets them. Or we go nine and three. With Alar as a starter the rest of the way, lose a game we shouldn't lose, which is probably going to be Maryland, people would, would guess, because they're the best team on our schedule remaining. And we end up in the Citrus Bowl or something like that, and you know, finish ten and three or nine and four. I cannot believe that people voted for nine and three. Like, yes, I want to see Drew Alar start the rest of the way as much as everybody else does. But not at the cost of losing, especially losing to Maryland. Like, that's just stupid. Like, I'd much rather go 10 and 2, Clifford be the guy right off in the sunset, finish 11 and 2 with a New Year's 6 win, and then catapult us into next year. And I think, again, ideally, I mentioned that Alar starts the rest of the way, looks amazing, all that kind of good stuff. Second ideal situation is that Clifford wakes up the rest of the way, doesn't disappoint us in certain games, and we can build that two-score lead, three-score lead, early in the game, and then Alar can get in for, you know, most of the second, and then the third and the fourth quarter, and hopefully we can put it away then and get the other guys in. So that would be the second ideal situation, but not at the cost of losing a game. I, no, we're not, we're not doing that, not going down that road. Um, also... I don't want to do this thing where if Alar comes in or starts on Saturday, we'll just say he starts. I don't want to do this thing where, let's say he goes, you know, 22 of 32 for 320 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and looks phenomenal, looks great, and we dominate Indiana, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to do this thing where we look back on that and be like, man, we should have had him in for Ohio State. We should have had him in for Michigan. Like, no, that's let's not do that because we're all you know, already mentally unstable enough. So we don't need to go down that path. Um, so the quote is, is interesting. Franklin obviously doesn't give anybody much of a, of insight to anything, whether it's the media fans or other teams, obviously. So, so there's that. So tickets, take it for what it's worth. And we'll find out come Saturday at three thirty. What's, what's going on. What's going to happen. Um, just got to wait and see, I guess. Just got to wait and see. So, Saturday Slate. There are some good games this weekend. Um, The rankings do reflect the college football playoff rankings. Uh, Starting at noon, as always, number two, Ohio State travels to take on Northwestern, 12 o'clock on ABC. Texas Tech takes on number seven, TCU in Fort Worth, 12 o'clock on Fox. Number 17, North Carolina travels to Charlottesville to take on Virginia, 12 o'clock on the ACC Network. Number 19, Tulane takes on Tulsa, 12 o'clock on ESPNU. Um, going down to the 3.30 hour, there's some other decent games in that in that 12 o'clock window, but nothing of uh, ranked teams. 3.30 hour, the game of the day and perhaps the game of the year until Ohio State, Michigan. Number one, Tennessee travels to Athens to take on number three, Georgia, 3.30 on CBS. Number eight, Oregon takes on Colorado, 3.30 on ESPN. Obviously the boys are on ABC, 3.30. You have Michigan State, Taking on Illinois, number 16, ranked Illinois 330 on the Big Ten Network that is in Champaign. Number 18, Oklahoma State, coming off their terrible, terrible loss to Kansas State. Last weekend, they traveled to Lawrence to take on Kansas, 330 FS1. Number 20, Syracuse, takes on Pitt, suck at Pitt. 330 on the ACC Network that is in Pittsburgh. Number 25, UCF, takes on Memphis, 330 on ESPN2. Going down to later hours, number 6, Alabama travels to Baton Rouge to take on number 10, LSU. Quietly number 10, LSU. 7 o'clock on ESPN. That should be a great game. Death Valley should be alive and well. Um, 24, Texas takes on Kansas State following that um, impressive win again over Oklahoma State. 7 o'clock on FS1. Clemson, another primetime game. Travels to South Bend to take on Notre Dame, 7.30 on NBC and Peacock. That is number four, Clemson. Number five, Michigan travels to Piscataway to take on Rutgers, at 7.30 on the Big Ten Network. Um, Arizona travels to Utah to take on number 14 ranked rank Utah, uh, 7.30 on the Pac-12 Network. Auburn, who does not have Brian Harrison anymore, their head coach is now, well, interim head coach is um, Cadillac Williams, which is awesome to see. They travel to Starksville to take on Mississippi State, 7.30 ESPN 2. Number 21, Wake Forest, takes on number 22, NC State, 8 o'clock on the ACC Network. Not that anyone cares about this game anymore, but 7.30 ABC. Uh, Florida State travels to take on Miami, uh, 9.30 on FS1. Number 12, UCLA, takes on Arizona State. That is in Tempe. Going down to 10.30 ESPN. Cal takes on number 9, USC. And then obviously, we have the last game of the night. 10.30 on FS2. I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, Hawaii takes on Fresno State. Um, So just uh, going back to Saturday. That was tough, right? That was tough. Everything was good up until the final 9 minutes and 26 seconds. And then somehow, some way, Ohio State scores 28 points in the final 9 minutes and twenty six seconds. That it was just it was just unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Um they they scored in a matter of like under two minutes, I think it was. They had a three play, like seventy yard drive, which that you like you couldn't even blink quick enough and that drive was over. And then was the fumble, and then the touchdown right after that. And it wasn't until that second touchdown that they scored where the 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 energy just was gone from Beaver Stadium. And it had been rocking. Because if you look at everything outside of the turnovers, we were we were playing better than them at some points. And we obviously we were winning at some points. Things started off a little rocky, but you know we we like we were there. We were there. And that's what's Again, that's what's so disappointing about this loss is that we were right there, as always, and it, you know the confidence level was pretty high. I think because everyone knew the home the home environment. We had a defense that was built for not stopping Ohio State, but you know, quote unquote, slowing them down. And we had an offense that the week before against Minnesota. I know it's a different different team, but had shown some, some things that we really hadn't seen. But we all knew that it was going to be all on Clifford. And the turnovers, you can say that they were his fault. Some of them, um, Ohio State's defense just made the plays when they, when they needed to. And I'll get into that here in a second. But if you, look at, if you look at the stats, we had more first downs than them. We were better on third down, better on fourth down. We had more total yards than them. You know, We had more passing yards, more rushing yards. We had less penalties. We had the ball for a minute more than they did. But we had four turnovers and they had zero. And again, you can get away with that maybe against the lesser teams, but not Ohio State. And they turned those four turnovers into 21 points. And again, they scored 28 points in the final nine minutes and 26 seconds. We just couldn't put that one extra drive together to give us that two score lead and we couldn't get that one stop that we needed to to either hold them to three or force a three-and-out. We had a third and 10 with five minutes left, and they they drove down and scored on this, on this drive, but that third and 10 was probably the loudest that Beaver Stadium was maybe outside of the Park of Washington touchdown. That was the loudest that Beaver Stadium was, or that sack at the end of the first half. That sack at the end of the first half by Johnny Dixon and it leading into everyone running in the tunnel, and you know Zombie Nation, and the band. Was, oh, it was that was that was crazy. That was loud, and you you could feel like you could feel the confidence, like it, it was there. And I was sitting around some Ohio State fans, and shout out to Ohio State though they travel extremely well, and they were all over the stadium. Um, we sat next to a couple Ohio State fans, and they were not you know not thinking they were going to lose obviously, but they were not feeling good. They were not feeling good, and the rest of us were feeling great. And we were proving that we were like we were at that level for a lot of it, but you gotta play 60 minutes. And unfortunately, we only played 51 minutes. But you gotta play 60. Ohio State did, and that's it. And you you're not gonna you're not gonna win the four turnovers. And I, I don't put that all on Cliff. Number 44 for Ohio State. <laughs> he had like one of the best games, going back and watching it. In person, you you don't really appreciate it until you go back and, and, and watch it. And then you realize, like, hey, shit, I saw this in person. I saw him dominate this game, start to finish. You go back and watch it, uh, you know, watch the highlights. Holy shit. That is just a, you know, in, um shout out to my uncle Jeff for bringing this up. If, if he's an average D-end, we win that game. This, like, he, but... This goes into the conversation that we have after all of these games against Ohio State, against Michigan. Like these are the conversations that we have. And it starts with why? How? Like why are we not there yet? Like where's the where's the disconnect? Like where do we struggle at? And people point to the the main things. They say it's poor coaching, they say it's poor play calling, lack of talent, lack of depth. The, the depth part, I will give you that over the last you know, five, six years. We haven't had it, but we're building it, and you can see it. But you cannot have the type of success that we've had under Franklin. And I know people want more success, but you cannot have the type of success that we've had under Franklin, which includes three 11-win seasons potentially four this year, three trips to New Year's Six games, potentially four this year, and a Big Ten title. And I know we don't beat these teams every year, but we are the only team in the Big Ten that consistently competes with Ohio State and Michigan, year in and year out. I know we don't beat them every year, but the fact that we're competing with them lets you know that we don't have shitty coaching. We don't have shitty play calling. When We have plenty of talent as well. The biggest thing is, it's that the gap in how much talent we have compared to these other teams. And we just don't have that kind of talent or that that much of it. Now, I'm not sitting here and saying that we don't have guys on our team that are you know, good to great and sometimes elite. And we've had those guys over the years. Saquon Barkley, uh, Michael Parsons, we've, we've had those top tier college players, as is proven with the guys we have in the league. But If we have two or three of those guys on our team, two or three of those elite college players on our team on on any given season on on our roster, Ohio State, you know, and the teams like them, Georgia, Bama, Clemson, you know, all those teams that are consistently up there, they probably have five, six, seven of those elite college players, as is shown in the draft. The first couple rounds littered with those teams. They usually have that many guys. They might have, if we have two or three, you know, on, on our entire roster, they might have two or three on both sides of the ball at the same time. That's just like, that's just how it is. And you dive into recruiting aspect of things. I follow recruiting as much as anybody that, that I know. And I, I hear the conversation all the time that stars don't matter. I get it because we've seen a ton of five-star guys come in and flame out. Shit, Penn State's had a handful of those over the last 15, 20 years. I get that no stars, one stars, two stars can turn into first-round draft picks. Totally get that. But to say that it doesn't matter is – I I don't totally agree with that. If you take those five-star high school players and they turn into five-star college players (laughs) – we see it every single year. Like It makes a significant difference. And they make the, the biggest impact because they are the best of the best for a reason. And then when they come into your program and become that, they bring in more of those guys. And we saw what happened in 2005. You bring in the five-star guys. And I know Derek Williams. I know uh, Justin King weren't what we maybe had hoped they were going to be at the time or what we thought they could do for the program on the field. Um, but they in the following years brought in more five stars, more top recruits. And they, they see the impact and it just it's a domino effect. And we just don't get as many of those. Now, granted, I, I look, I know that we've taken some of the four star guys, like Saquon Barkley was a four star. And he turned into one of the best college players of the last ten years, probably. And we and we see what he's doing on Sundays. And we've had we've had a handful of those guys, um, but those five star guys are the best of the best for a reason. And when they come in and turn into five star college players, like th- those guys are the ones who make a significant significant impact on your team, more so than because it happens more so than the two star the three star guys there's just more of them there's more talented guys at the top that can come in and be those talented guys at the top so um i think it's we don't like it's not we don't we don't have a lack of talent we have plenty of talent and we've i think we've we've shown that over, over the recent years and i feel good about the talent we have right now with the young guys and then the talent that we have potentially coming in with next year's recruiting class and where those guys can potentially take us. I mean, we've seen the impact that they've made already this year. You know, speaking of you know, guys like Katron Allen and Nick Singleton, those guys making a enormous impact. And speaking of enormous impact, seeing the highlights and watching the cut ups, outside of Parker Washington, our best player was Olu Fashano. And <laughs> I would say there's a very good chance he does not come back next year because if you put on the table what he did on 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 Saturday against Ohio State's DNs, there is a a very good reason why he is looked at as uh, one of the top, if not the top, left tackle in um, in the draft coming up. Only 19 years old, which is crazy to believe that he's only 19 years old. So there's there's that little little thing. Um, the five things that I wrote down for last weekend um, did not um, did not come true, uh, unlike Mich- uh, Minnesota, which was five check marks. Uh, Brings T.J. Stroud to the ground. I think we only had one sack, maybe, and that was at the end of the first half. Limit the damage done by the wide receivers. We did not do that. Marvin Hanson Jr. had 10 catches, 185 yards. He did not get in the end zone, though, so... There's, there's that. Consistency by Cliff. I don't need to go into that one. More tight end receiver shots downfield. I think we took one um, tight end shot down the field, but obviously Parker Washington had himself a day. 11 catches, 179 yards, and a touchdown. Really hope that he can, can continue that uh, the final four or five games of the season. And hold Ohio State to 30 points or under. They had 44, obviously 28 points in the fourth quarter helps that. But we scored 31 and I said that if we held them to that 27-30 point range, we could win the game. Now, scoring 28 points in in the fourth quarter that doesn't usually happen often and obviously it happened to us, but it is what it is. We were we we're doing well in that aspect. But going back to what I said earlier, we just couldn't put that one extra drive together to make it a two-score game, which was disappointing. So heading into the five things coming up against Indiana, we need a spark. I said that heading into Minnesota. I don't really care where, where it comes from. I would love to see it in the form of the big plays, whether it's those big chunk plays that we were getting from Singleton early in the season, whether it's the downfield shots again, I feel like that's going to continue, whether it's Parker Washington or the tight ends, but I want to see some big plays down the field. I want to see those 20 plus yard plays um, really start to stack up against Indiana because their defense is not, not great. This one, I wrote two things down. I want the defense to get um, consistent stops. And then I want the offense to put together consistent drives. I don't want to go, you know, one, you know, Eight play, 65 yards, and a touchdown, and the next play we go three and out. And then three and out, and then we put together another drive. I want consistency with that. And then the defensive side, I want to get consistent three and outs. Big stops. Get some turnovers. We didn't do that last week. We like you, you could tell that the wheels were the wheels were spinning at times, but we were stuck in stuck in the same in the same spot. So want to kind of see that pick up. Next thing, I think we'd all like to see this, zero turnovers. Um, and then get some turnovers. Ohio State is a team that just doesn't turn the ball over, and usually we're pretty good about getting getting the ball. So I'd like to see some turnovers um, against Indiana. Next thing, better pass defense. I think Indiana is going to try and spread it out. They lost their number one receiver, but I think they're going to try and throw it all over the place. They did it against Michigan, pretty successful. Uh, but Michigan obviously put the clamps on them. We gave up those... Three yard, four yard, quick slants. Shout quick slants, but then the Ohio State receivers would turn them into eight yard gains and set up an easy second and one, third and one. So better pass defense. Um, our our DBs were up to the challenge. Um, Kalen King got burnt a couple times. They really didn't throw to Joey Porter's way. I think he had two catches, three catches on him for 33 yards. So they just obviously were like, we're not even going to worry about that. We have other means to do so. Um, so better pass defense. And then the last one, just kind of a personal thing, I want to see us have a 200-yard rushing day. Haven't had that in a while. The running game has, has has been there. It's been somewhat consistent at times throughout throughout games, but we haven't had that explosive, you know, 175, 200-yard day, I feel like, I feel like in a while. So would love to see that happen. So. I want some sparks. I want some big plays down the field, take those shots again. We seem to be kind of moving in that direction. Defense gets some consistent stops. Offense puts some consistent drives together. Better pass defense, no turnovers. You can get some turnovers and then over 200 yards on on the ground. Um, Look, 10-2 is still in play. We can still get a nice trip to a New Year's Six game, play a good team, finish 11-2, and springboard into next season, end up in the top ten, where we belong. And I know it's not the ideal ending to our season, but ten and two. Gr- granted, people thought we'd go seven and five, uh, eight and four again, and end up in whatever shitty bowl. So I think we've already exceeded expectations based on what people, what a lot of people have thought. So ten and two, 11 and two, springboard into next year finish in the top 10. And hey, things could be a lot worse. We could be pit. I know Nardushi thinks that they are undefeated, but we could be pit. So just think about that. Um, I'm, I'm way more confident that we're closer to that level that we want to be at than I have been following a, a lot of the a lot of the good seasons that we've had under Franklin, I, I feel a lot more confident heading into next year about where we are, who we have, who we have coming back, and we'll worry about who's coming back, who's not coming back when the season's over with. But I feel a lot more confident. I think everybody else should too. I think everyone should feel confident about like that first 51 minutes. I think showed me a lot. The, the talent gap is closing. It's, it's it's still there, but it's closing and i think who we have coming in who we have right now I, that talent gap is closing um so 10 and 2 it sounds great i'll take it you know given what everyone what, what everyone thought we were going to do given how last year the last half of the season went last year and how 2020 went to bounce back and you know have a 10 win season have 11 wins po- possibly win a new year six and go into next year with that um that 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 momentum the energy you know five game winning streak heading into next year yes go ahead sign me up for that don't care who the quarterback is the rest of the way if you're telling me we're going to finish 11-2 win a new year six game finish in the top 10 and have that momentum going in next year on a five game win streak go ahead sign me up um let's let's just enjoy the rest of the way we got indiana this weekend we got maryland at home the following weekend travel to a rutgers the following weekend Finish up, as per usual, Thanksgiving weekend with Michigan State. All winnable games. So let's go out, win those games, enjoy the final four games, enjoy a trip to New Year's Six games, and finish 11-2, ride that momentum, and let's do it next year. Enjoy the games this weekend. If you can do it, put the Georgia-Tennessee game on another screen because that game is going to be phenomenal. And I really wish it was in Knoxville. Because you know that place would be rocking. But they've had their fun there this, this year. So Athens should be alive and well um, just as much. So enjoy that. Obviously enjoy the game, um, our game on Saturday. Enjoy the rest of it. Talk to you guys next week. Always appreciate it. And always remember, we are.